If you haven't already opened your Bible to John 5, turn there so that you can see what the Lord has to say to us for yourself. John chapter 5. And before we begin, let's pray. That is our prayer, what we just sang, that you would speak, Lord. We're not asking you to speak another word over and above your scripture. What we're asking is that you would give us eyes and hearts that can see what you have spoken. And in that way, we would see it fresh, hear it fresh, and be changed. It's not empty words that we sing. It's our food, to receive the food of your holy word. Our souls are hungry. They're thirsty. We need to eat and drink, and I pray that you would give us nourishment for our souls this morning. Please be among us, God. We need to hear from you, so help us. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So last week, we spent a lot of time talking about the Sabbath. It's this big event where Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath. The Pharisees are very upset about it. Jesus makes the astonishing claim that if God the Father gets to work on the Sabbath day, then he gets to work on the Sabbath day as well. And the Jewish leaders are mad. They're so mad that our text tells us they decide he's got to die. This guy has to die because... When Jesus says that as God's son, he gets to do what God the Father does, they understand Jesus is claiming to be equal to God. That's what verse 18 said from last week. Jesus is claiming to be equal with God, and he is. But Jesus is going to clarify what his relationship to God the Father is like. And it may surprise you. I think a lot of people think, well, Jesus is God. So what happens is God the Father changes form and becomes Jesus. They take turns being God. Maybe, maybe the Father, Son, and the Spirit, they take turns being God. They all do the same thing. They just show up differently at different times. But we're going to see it's different. And Jesus wants us to see that it's different. So as we work through these six verses... Verses 19 through 24, we're going to do it in four sections. Here's what we're going to see. We're going to see the relationship that the Father and the Son have. Jesus is going to clarify what his relationship with the Father is like. So we're going to see the relationship that the Father and the Son have. And then we're going to see that the Father has given works for Jesus to do. He's going to be specific about two works. So we'll see the works that the Father has given the Son to do. Then third, we're going to see the purpose of those works. What are they for? And finally, we're going to talk about why it matters to us. So let's start by looking at the relationship that Jesus has with his Father, the relationship of the Father and the Son. Jesus is equal 
to God. This is staggering news if you haven't heard it before. Christians believe that a man who lived and walked on this earth was equal to God. If you really believe that, deep down in your soul, it has to change everything. The one who made and sustains all things, including us in this very moment, walked on the earth as one of us. And we talked last week about why it changes everything. We just mentioned if, if Jesus is God, it means that he can pay the God-sized debt we owe. That's really good news. If he's God, it means that we can actually interact with God and know him as creatures. And it also means that if Jesus is your Savior, the one who died for you, he cares for you. If he's God, it means he's the sovereign ruler of the universe. That's really good news. That's really good news if you feel anxious ever or fearful ever, that the one who loved you and gave himself for you is ruling all things. It's a big deal that Jesus is equal to God, like last week's text told us. But as God the Son, Jesus has a relationship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And we're not going to talk about his relationship with the Holy Spirit yet. We will get to that later in John. But he has a relationship with the Father and the Spirit, and they don't relate to each other in the same way. This is amazing. Jesus is clarifying, yes, I'm equal to God, but, this is verse 19, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. So verse 18 told us he's equal to God, but here we're seeing the Son imitates only what he sees his father doing. Human children do this with their parents. So much of what we do is because we picked it up from our parents or for people who stood in for our parents if our parents weren't around. As kids, we're always watching and we're imitating. If you have kids, I can guarantee you've had a moment where they did something and you react and you go, oh my goodness, I'm my mom. That's exactly what my dad would have said. And perhaps even scarier, you see your kids do something and you go, where'd they learn that? They learned it from watching you. That's where they learned it. That's what kids do. You have instincts in relationships in business, in the way you keep a home, in parenting that you didn't learn in school. You do them because you saw your parents do them. It's natural for children to imitate their parents. God made the world this way. He made it this way because the Son of God is the ultimate imitator of his Father. 
he imitates what he sees the Father doing perfectly, and he always has. He is the perfect reflection of the Father's glory. That's what Hebrews 1 tells us. He's the radiance of his glory, the exact imprint of his nature. That's what he does. He reflects what he sees the Father doing. He imitates perfectly. This is why the Son of God is called the Son. He's different from the Father. He comes from the Father. Try to wrap your mind around this gigantic thought. He comes from the Father, and He has always been coming from the Father. So there was never a time where the Son of God popped into existence. He has always been coming from the Father, but He has been coming from the Father just always. That's why He's the Son. And so He relates to God the Father like a son would. The father acts like a father towards Jesus. He leads, he directs, he commands, and Jesus acts like a son. He follows, he imitates, he obeys his father. But this doesn't make him less than God the Father. And we know this from our passage because of verse 19. Whatever the Father does, the Son does. You might be tempted to think, well, if Jesus can't do anything but what he sees the Father doing, that means there are things he can't do. Maybe he's less than God. Until you think, but... He does whatever the Father does. Think about the kind of person who would be able to do whatever the Father does. That person would have to be God. Verse 20 also says, the Father shows Jesus all that he's doing. The only person who would be capable of taking in and knowing all the Father is doing would have to be God himself. So hold these things together. Jesus is God the Son. He himself is fully God, equal to God. That's what verse 18 says. He's not less than God. But he is a son, and he acts like one. This will clear up so much scripture for you if you understand this. Because when you read your Bible Clearly, in some places, it's saying this man, Jesus, is equal to God. He is God. He claims to be God. And then other places you read and you think, he's being so deferential to the Father. He's being so submissive. He's receiving. He's so distinct. It's because he's God, but he's God the Son, and he acts like one. He receives from his Father and he obeys his father. And then he does what his father does. The father shows him things. Our text says all things. And sends him to do his work. And the son accomplishes what the father sends him to do. Now verse 20 tells us why. Why the son does what the father shows him. 
And it also tells us why the Father shows the Son all that He's doing. For the Father loves the Son. Do you see that from your text? That phrase, for the Father loves the Son, is explaining why it is that the Son is imitating His Father always. And it's explaining why the Father shows the Son all that He's doing. This is why God is doing what He's doing. Because He loves the Son. The infinite energy that drives God is love for Himself. The Father loves the Son, and the Son is devoted to Him in perfect imitation because He's loved infinitely by His Father. And that's the reason the Father shows the Son works to do, because He loves Him. Now, this is jumping ahead in our text, but what we're going to see is that the Father wants Jesus to be honored. He makes Jesus the judge of the universe, the savior of the world, because he wants him to be honored, because he loves him. That's why all of this is happening. You know the why game that kids play on us? It's a trick they play on parents to fry our brains. It happens when they're about two years old. They ask why over and over again until you have nothing left to say. You need to eat your rice. Why? Because your body needs food. Why? Because your brain uses the energy and your muscles use the energy from the rice. Why? Ask your mom. If you keep asking why for the really big questions, why this world? Why is there something instead of nothing? Why am I here? What's salvation history all about? One of the deepest answers, reasons why that you can come to is this. Because the Father loves the Son. It's perhaps the deepest reason creation and history exists. And the good news is, He's wrapping us into it. And we'll see that's really good news. See this relationship. The Father loves the Son, and the Son knows it. And so he does everything in imitation of his Father. He's completely God, and he relies on his Father. And the Father in his love shows the Son all that he does. And now Jesus is going to focus our attention on two particular works that the Father has shown him to do. That's what we're going to see. The works the Father has given the Son. Look at verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him. So Jesus is saying, I've been doing works 
there are greater works that are going to be shown to me to do. And the two particular works he mentions are these. The first is the work of raising the dead to life. Look at verse 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. So Jesus has power over death. Deuteronomy 32, 29, God is speaking, and he says this, See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill, and I make alive. I wound, and I heal, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. Jesus has power that only God claims for himself, to bring the dead to life. He's the firstborn from the dead. Now, Jesus raises people to life. Jairus' daughter, little girl, he brings her back to life. Lazarus, he brings back to life. But they will die again. Jesus is the first to pass through death and live invincible, never to die again. And all those who trust in him, he will make like himself. All who trust in him. And this is going to factor significantly into next week's text. So that's the first work Jesus receives from his father, to raise the dead, to give them life. And the second work is the work of judgment. Look at verse 22. For the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. Now, in Matthew 25, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says this, when the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, when the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right but the goats on his left. Those who did evil, he will send away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is not a fairy tale. That's your future and my future. As really as you're sitting in this convention center room, you will stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment. Jesus will be the one who presides over the judgment, and he will be the one who presides over the punishment of the wicked. Just fill out your picture of Jesus, fill it out, make it thicker. Because Jesus is the most gentle, kind, loving person that has ever existed and could possibly ever exist. And he's the one who will judge the world. Listen to this. Revelation 14, 9. Anyone who worships the beast, and I think that means anyone who lives for this world, will drink the wine of God's wrath poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he 
will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. Jesus is the one who treads the winepress of the fury of God. The great ones of the earth in Revelation 6 are going to cry out towards mountains and rocks and they're going to say, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who's seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. So people are pleading with mountains to fall on them so they don't have to face the Lamb. If only death could be an escape, we would take it. Jesus, at his return, is the one who's going to punish sinners with the almighty wrath of God. The Father has given him this work to do. And it's appropriate that Jesus is the one who does the work of judgment because Jesus is the only one who can save us from the judgment. Just think on this. The Father sends the Son he loves to be a man. Jesus is righteous without a drop of sin, and according to his Father's plan, he's crucified, and God's wrath is poured out on him. So Jesus is quite literally being judged for the sins of everyone who would trust in him. Which means if you trust him, all your sins, past, present, future, have been punished already and will never be punished again. I've taken long car trips before where you're traveling a long distance with a bunch of people and so you have to travel in several cars, two or three cars. You'll drive down the highway following each other. When you gotta stop for a bathroom break, you'll pull over together. When you're gonna stop at a restaurant to eat, you'll pull over together. Sometimes you'll go through the drive-through at a restaurant like McDonald's together where you order and then you pay at the window. I've done this before behind a car that I've been traveling with. I order my food, I pull up to the window, and the restaurant worker says, actually, the car that went ahead already paid for your meal. Anybody else had that happen before? I'm sorry, only like three of you. When that happens, you don't pay again. It's been paid. Now, the car behind you that's not traveling with you, they might be watching and they might say, oh, they ordered, but then they just handed them their food. They didn't pay. Maybe McDonald's is giving free meals today. And when they get to the window, the restaurant worker says, no, you got to pay for your meal. If someone ahead of you didn't pay for it, then you do. Jesus paid ahead of time for those who trust him. He was already judged in the place of sinners. So if you trust him, your punishment is paid for ahead of time, already. But if you don't trust him, when you drive up to that window on the day of judgment, you pay. And you pay forever. And Jesus is the one you will stand before. He has either been judged for you because you trust him. 
for you, if you're not sure, trust him. And his judgment will be yours ahead of time. It's paid. Or he will judge you. And it will be terrible and perfectly just. Now, the works of raising the dead and judging the world are given to Jesus for a reason. So now we're talking about the purpose of the Father towards the Son and making him judge and making him one who can raise the dead. Look at verses 22 and 23. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son that, or so that, so this is a reason, so that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. We see something similar in verse 20. The Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. God wants you to marvel at his Son and honor him. Now remember from the beginning, the reason the Son does only what he sees his Father doing, and the reason the Father shows the Son all he's doing is because he loves him, and therefore, what the Father wants for his Son when he gives him the job of raising the dead and judging the world is that his son would be honored by us with the same honor he himself has given. That's what this world is about. The father is loving his son and wanting his son to be enjoyed and honored by others. So he gives his son work to do that will bring him honor. The history of the world is the Father pouring out his love on the Son and honoring him. He's aiming his love at the Son, and you want to get caught in that crossfire. Oh, to be stuck in the middle while the Father is pouring out his infinite love on the Son, and the Son is reflecting it back. That's what the gospel is all about. Now, in doing this, the father ties his honor and his son's honor together, like in a knot, so that you can't separate the father's honor from Jesus' honor. So, as verse 23 concludes, whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Just think about our context. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. They say they honor God but they want to kill Jesus. And Jesus is letting them know, if you don't honor me, you don't honor God. If God is honored only when Jesus, the Son, is honored, then we do not serve the same God as those who deny the Son. And this is very common for people to say things like, we serve the same God, but... We believe different things about Jesus. And according to this verse, that cannot be true. If you do not honor Jesus, you do not honor God, and you cannot know him. Just consider this now. If God the Father has loved the Son 
from all eternity with an infinite energy of love. And his love for his son is the driving force behind all that he does. Then if you say he doesn't have a son, you're talking about someone completely different. The fact that God the Father has a son is not some side issue. It is at the very core of what it means for him to be God. If you don't trust the Father sent the Son to be judged for sinners and to judge the world, you don't honor God, no matter how religious you appear to be. That's what those around us have to know. That's what they have to know. Which means we shouldn't talk vaguely about God for long to our unbelieving neighbors. God did this for me. God does that for you. God does this for us. God's doing this for you without ever getting to the specific of Jesus Christ because if you do not honor the Son, you cannot honor the Father. Now let's talk more about why this matters to us. So we've said this again and again and again in this passage. The father loves the son. He wants to honor him. That's why the father gives him the works of raising the dead and judging the world. And you might think, well, I'm kind of a third wheel. You know what a third wheel is? It's when you, you're hanging out with two people who just started dating Maybe you didn't know it when you decided to go out to dinner with them, and then suddenly you realize, like, oh, this is, like, I don't even, I don't even need to be here. Like, they're giggling, having a great time, asking each other questions, and you're just sitting there eating chips, you know? It's about them. You might be the chaperone, but they've got the thing going on. Is that how it is with us and God? The Father loves the Son. The Son's reflecting it back. That's what this whole world is about. How am I a part of this? Jesus tells us in verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Here's why it's good to be caught in the crossfire of the Father's love for His Son. Because if you listen to the Son, all that He tells us about the Father, how you can be saved through His sacrificial death for you, be reconciled to His Father that way, if you believe Him that way, you have eternal life. Here's the staggering news. In the Father loving the Son, a way has been made for you to be swept into their life. In the midst of their love, you don't get bypassed. You get loved. When you get in the middle of what the Father and the Son are doing, and it's with the same love that the Father has for the Son. We'll see this elsewhere in John, but this is going to blow our minds. The Father's not just loving Jesus and throws us some crumbs every once in a while. 
When you're in the middle of what they're doing, the love of the Father gets poured out on you. But you're a creature. So guess how long it takes for God's love to be poured out on you, a creature? Forever. And that's why the promise here is eternal life. The Son is punished for sins He did not do and rises from the dead. And if you believe just believe your punishment is paid and he will raise you someday to live in the love he's always known and enjoyed forever. So honor the father by honoring the son by trusting what he says and what he's done. If you trust what he says, you will not come into judgment. But look what the text says. You will have already passed from death to life. You know, Christian, death is an ugly thing. And the process of our bodies dying is a terrible reality. But that feeling of fear when you think of death, that it's final that you're about to enter into the unknown end of all the joy and goodness you've ever experienced is not true for you. You've already passed from death to life. That's what our text says. Your body can still die, but your soul cannot. And when you breathe your last in this life, your soul will pass seamlessly into the presence of God where pain and sadness and fear will never touch you again. So, live. Live. Embrace the sun and live. Those who don't know Jesus, that's how you live. Embrace the Son. Trust Him. Trust what He's done. And you'll live. Christians, embrace the Son. This is how you honor Him. And this is how you honor the Father. Let's pray. Father, You love the Son, and that's why we have any good. Because in loving the Son and giving Him honor, you wrap us into your love. And it's almost too good to be true, but it is true that the love with which you love the Son is ours if we trust you and listen to Him. So would you help us, God? Would you help us to trust Would you be honored in our trust? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.